I'm so excited for this podcast. I think it's been about a year and a half since we last had Ben on from Morphogen. So welcome to the Price Off Podcast. I'm Ben, and obviously our guest today is Ben Hartman from Morphogen Nutrition. Uh, we also have Mike Roberto here, also a founder of Price Boss. So we're really excited to dive in. Uh, ben, I know we already kind of met a year and a half ago, but I think both of our platforms have grown a decent amount in that time. Yeah. So I want to get back and again talk again talk about your story because you have an awesome story of where Morphogen came from. So if you could just give us the rundown before we start the podcast, that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's February tenth, twenty twenty two. Got it. Go. <laughs> uh, rundown of oh god, that's a lot. Where where we came from, how we started. Uh, so basically. I mean, it was probably 15 years ago now. I was uh, sponsored by a pretty large, I mean, one of like the global elite companies that are, you know, still a powerhouse in the industry today. And back in that day, there wasn't any social media, there wasn't any sponsorships or affiliates, or, you know, how we know them today. It was, you know, you're an athlete, you work for this team, you do the trade shows, you contribute to the website, you do all this kind of stuff. Uh, so I was with them. And I had, you know, extensive history uh, and background academically and professionally with uh, really in-depth sciences, exercise, physiology, nutrition, uh, all the way through the master's level. I mean, took every sort of science course, physiology course, anatomy course you could ever take um, and knew that I was destined to do something different than the career that I was in. And I was also very frustrated with the way that things were going with this company in terms of product development and what I was kind of being like forced to promote. Uh, and kind of a collective frustration between of all that, I was just like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to do my own thing. I was like, why, very famously, why can't everybody just make something that has everything you need in one scoop? Because at the time, you know, it was like multi-scooping or buying, some, you know, several extra raw materials to throw in. And I'm going, this is stupid. Why? And I go, oh, I understand the game now because the game is margin distribution and there's only so far that you can stretch those. And I said, what if I just made something awesome and it cost me five times as much to make, but I sold it to people for like, you know, around the same amount of money, all the margin came back to me. I don't need to sell hundreds of thousands of units at a $5 markup to make any money. I don't need to have sales reps and any industry pressure or any of this kind of stuff. And I'll just get people the stuff that I believe in. And if it fails, then at least I have, you know, five years worth of pre-workout uh, to use for myself, you know? And uh, so, I, yeah, so I basically came came home from work super frustrated, took two days off, uh, came up with pretty much everything in the entire company, completely changed the course of our life, came to my wife at the end of those two days and said, hey, I'm going to start a supplement company. I have no idea what I'm doing with business. I need all of our savings. She goes, okay, I trust you. Ride or die. Awesome. You know, ride or die. And, you know, fast forward 10 years later, we scaled a, a tremendous amount, far bigger than I ever thought. Um, we become something far bigger than I ever could have dreamed of in terms of not just, you know, what we're producing and, and what we have, you know, access to, but sort of this greater impact uh, and this legacy that we can leave behind, whether it's on this industry or, or to my children or to our community. And it's just, it's been a fucking hell of a ride. Nice. The, the model seems to work. Uh, could you, can you describe to us, your demographic, the users, it's clearly the users who want some like pretty insane stuff. Yeah. So we've always kind of talked about our, our customer base as people that kind of give a shit or give more of a shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are not people that, you know, and maybe traditionally some of them may have wandered into, you know, a chain store or a mom and pop shop or something and been swayed to purchase something that may or may not have been in their best interest due to, uh, a kickback or a, honestly just a profit margin or, or a marketing gimmick or something. So for the most part, our people find us either out of frustration, being disappointed with the expectations, not being met with finding something else, or they're kind of further along in that uh, self-education journey. And they know specifically what they're looking for in terms of, you know, optimization of whatever, whatever that product is supposed to do. I've always been kind of like a like, you know, full ass or no ass, but you're not half-assing anything. And so in terms of product development, for me, I'm always like, what, what could go in here? And can it be made? Can it be monetized? Can it be flavored? And then does it make logical sense? And so I've been, just for me personally, I've always kind of pushed that envelope of what that individual product could represent for my use. And I always believed that if I was able to just kind of talk about that with people and tell them how I came to that conclusion that some of them would, would kind of believe that, you know, that same, you know, logic minded thought process and they would be, they'd be in, you know, now they're not going to be swayed by a marketing thing 
or a BOGO or an athlete or, or anything from another company, and they're going to stick around and they're going to tell 100 people. And out of those 100 people, one of those people are going to think the same way and they're going to stick around. And slowly we've just just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I think uh, one of the really thing, one of the really cool things that I stick to with Morph Vision is that Ben, you understand the thought process between all these other brands, the BOGOs, the marketing, the distribution, and in the face of all of that, you really primarily care about legacy and quality. I think my favorite thing that I've seen you post is uh, I think it's the Morpho Prime and your your father with your store. Uh, sorry, the story oh, with yeah. your father. Um, it, all of this stuff always comes back to a personal member of yours, like like someone in your circle that things mean something to you, and. Uh, Mike and I are very morally, ethically driven when it comes to talking about supplements, and that that always kind of stuck with me. A lot of your products seem to have like a, a, a deeper reason why you found that and came to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, one thing that I've been saying a lot lately, and, and we're going to use some of this, you know, on some of the labels. Is I, I've kind of always felt like if something could be done and it felt like the right thing to do, then it then it had to be done. Like it it wasn't an option. It had to be done. And if nobody was going to do it, then it was my responsibility to do it and figure out a way to, to make this work. Uh, and from day one, I have felt that way. And I still very much feel that way with every single thing that we're doing moving forward. I understand the industry a lot more. I understand business a lot more. I mean, it's been 10 years. I fully appreciate the, the nuances in how all these other companies do, do their thing, find their niche, find their customer base, uh, you know, I have a greater understanding and appreciation for traditional marketing stuff where before I was like, fuck, no, we're the zero marketing company. And I, you know, I kind of get it now and I don't think as negatively about it, but I think that there's always been this kind of, uh, balance between doing what everybody, you know, doing what is the thing that you should be doing, you know, business-wise and doing what feels genuine and pure as cliche as it always sounds like doing the, the, this thing because you love it because you believe in it and i think we've done a hell of a job kind of figuring out where that that line is between the two um yeah so what was so you talked about uh off the beginning like having a one product that you could take all of those things in one scoop the, the first one that comes to mind is nutrigen for me but what where did you start with with morphogen yeah so we started with alphagen and that's kind of where the name came from. And so when we, when we came up with the company name, I wanted it obviously to mean something. I didn't want, you know, Ohio labs or, you know, whatever. Right. So morpho and gen literally means create change. It means directing cells to undergo a very specific reaction for a very specific end result. It means progression. It means evolution. And kind of as a playoff that the original idea was to have everything be a gen based word. So alpha for us was, the first for us. It was what I considered to be a leader in that product category. It was something that would lead the way of our brand moving forward. So Alpha Gen literally means creating this leadership, this leader for us moving forward. Uh, it Obviously, Alpha Gen wasn't meant to be a cover every goal you could ever have in one scoop. It was what could this pre-workout be and what could go in it to cover all those needs. Oh, wow. Okay, this helps out. My, my, uh, Mike's showing the, actually the, this is the current. <laughs> yep. This, yeah. This is the this is the ten gram of tyrosine. So this is now the new version of what uh, the reason we're kind of coming together is this this yeah. rebrand here uh, for everyone that's watching. Uh, and if you're if you're listening right now, you should check out the video because uh, we're looking at the supplement facts panel. Um, so Alphagen originally it was the original product, and this is the actual the full rebrand that's coming out now, which is it is important to bring us back into the present. Thanks, Mike. Um, so I guess maybe. Fast forwarding now to now, what was the thought process when you when you get to redo this? Was this the first time you got to redo Alphagen or has that happened before? No, so so we've probably had, I mean, honestly, probably like six or seven iterations from day one. Um, some of that was new ingredients coming in into the into the play, into the mix in the industry. Um, some of it was, you know, banned stuff. We had DMAA in the very first Alphagen. Everybody did. Uh, then that obviously went away. And then, you know, as well, how do we... How do we, you know, circumnavigate this situation and come up with something else? Um, now, we've had a number of different versions. As we've gone, each new version still maintained a, uh, a heavy presence and influence from the previous version with, you know, some of these nuances that, that are very specific to the new version. So like this one, at the core of it, half of it's nearly the same. The other half is what I felt that it, kind of needed to be. And I, you know, Ben, you and I talked uh, 
you know, a year ago in person about kind of, you know, this direction that things could go in the industry and how, you know, there was a lot of these trends with formulas that looked the same and similar ideas as to what they meant. And you and I were like, what if people like, what if this product just totally did something different? And what if it was so different, not for the sake of being different, but for the sake of challenging the norm of, of the present time to create something potentially so good that it changes the direction of this entire product, product category. And um, I, I had had ideas like this with a lot of products for a long time, because to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little bored with the industry. There's so much going on and there, there's definitely been a positive shift in quality and brands taking things seriously and owners representing their brands. I, I think it's a very exciting time, but at the same time, I'm tired of seeing formulas that look the same from every company to every company and everybody. You and, and here's the thing. When you have research suggested dosing on any number of products, of course, you're going to have a lot of very similar formulas with very similar doses, at least at the core of that. I totally get it. But then I'm looking at, you know, where's where are some outliers in this evidence? Where are some outliers in potential experience that may not be supported by research and uh you know, could these, could these things be pushed a little bit? Could it be pushed not just in terms of dose, but maybe in terms of uh, totality of formula, in terms of the number of ingredients, in terms of, you know, shit. I mean, when we came out with Morpha Prime at six caps, at the time it was five caps and everybody like lost their mind. Nobody's ever going to take that. Everybody told me no one's going to take six capsules. Nobody. I said, you're wrong. Our customers will because they don't care. They might not take them all in the same handful, but they're going to take them because they understand the benefit of this product more than the inconvenience of taking six caps. Now you have companies making six to 12 caps serving size of a ton of products, and it's starting to become more commonplace because the shift in the industry is better. It's better education. It's a more informed consumer. Um, but that took, and I'm not saying I'm the first one. I was certainly one of the first ones to make like a six capsule product five years ago. Uh, and at the time, the, the, those of us who did it, everybody's like, well, that's nobody who's going to take that's so stupid. Nobody needs that many capsules. Well, we were right. <laughs> awesome. So our, our audio feeds are growing. So I do want to rip through this panel real quick on this pre-workout. 20 servings per container, one scoop, 22.5 grams, 10 grams of L-tyrosine. We're going to have to add, talk about that. Eight grams of two to one citrulline malate, 750 milligrams of velvet bean extract mucunipurians, uh, standardized for 98% L-dopa, 600 milligrams of alpha GPC, 50, uh, 50%, 500 milligrams of Avantra Z bitter orange extract, standardized for 10% uh, synephrine. So that's 50 milligrams of synephrine. I'm going to want to ask about that as well. Uh, the, the key thing for a lot of people, 400 milligrams of caffeine and hydrous. So for a lot of people, it's uh, immediately going to be kind of started a half scoop here. And then 300 milligrams of M-phenethyl dimethyl citrate, 200 milligrams of 99% theobromine, 100 milligrams of L-theanine to bring it down a little bit, and a 300 microgram dose of huperzine A. So I, I'm not sure if Ben had, Ben Kane had any other things to talk about. I, I want to dive right into this 10 grams of L-tyrosine thing because um, I have my experiences on a, on a high dose L-tyrosine. I went to five grams and um, it's noticeably, it can be noticeably felt, but no one ever talks about this kind of thing. Like we see yeah. two, maybe two and a half grams and that's like big deal. And also getting back to your thing of getting bored with everything. Ben and I always joke about like writing the same blog post, doing the same video, citrulline <laughs> and beta alanine and caffeine together in a pre-workout. So like we, we get that because we've written that article a thousand times literally. Yep. And so, uh, so <laughs> thank you for doing something different, but yeah, what's up with the tires? So what, so the tyrosine. So I've, I've used bigger doses of tyrosine quite a bit in the past for any number of reasons. Um, I, buying bulk tyrosine. I remember back when I was still actively competing a number of years ago, I was having, you know, five grams first thing in the morning for my cardio with a nice little stack of other stuff. Part of that was the, uh, you know, motivating energizing effect of that dose going into cardio. But the other part of that was to help with, uh, any potential thyroid upregulation during periods of dieting. Um, and I was like, oh, it feels good. I mean, this isn't, I mean, this isn't like DMAA, this feels nice, but it's, it's also safe. It's well studied into doses higher than 10 grams. I mean, a lot of that's based on, you know, uh, kilo, you know, milligrams per kilo of body weight sort of research. And when you're looking kind of like the broad range of that, you're looking at somewhere in the seven to 13 gram range, not just for the cognitive and the uh, sort of the energizing effect benefits, but for anti-stress, especially around exercise. Uh, so that was always highly intriguing to me. And then you're, 
you know, taking that into consideration, obviously that drives the cost of that raw material way up and it removes that much extra space from a scoop. So it makes sense that if somebody's going to do something and they want to put, you know, two to three grams of betaline and two to three grams of betaine and, you know, one gram of taurine and one gram of something else and one gram of something else, it makes sense that they can't put a 10 gram dose of tyrosine in there. It's kind of a waste of space if the remainder of the formula isn't a knockout as well. And so we wanted to get away from, uh, sort of the, the loading based, you know, the creatine, the beta alanines that, you know, when we developed alphagen and put those in there years ago, everybody was doing that as, as sort of a, like, here's part of your, you know, weekly intake of creatine beta alanine. There might be some negligible acute benefits leading into training, but ultimately this is a loading sort of product. And I'm like, eventually these got to come out and we got to be able to put more stuff in here. Um, and thankfully th there has been a shift in the industry, which I, you know, Ben, that's something you and I talked about was, having daily use sort of loading products, whether it's a commodity or a standalone, something like a ghost size or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of Jeff Long's products where it, it has a lot of that stuff in there. It could be a pre-workout. It could be a daily thing. And I really like the concept of that. So a, a big first step for us was getting those out of there and bumping that tyrosine dose up. Um, it's funny when it, the news first dropped on that, because everybody lost their fucking minds. And overall, you know, the, the reaction to that was pretty cool, but there were a lot of people that, either said, well, you know, diminishing returns, what's the point? Well, you haven't tried it yet. Uh, there, <laughs> there is a point. And the other part was some people had some kind of some general concerns about either safety or, um, you know, its effects when combined with L-DOPA, you know, because there is some inhibiting, uh, you know, absorption issues that have been shown in, you know, some medical literature, you know, when you're looking at like half a gram of tyrosine and a little bit of, you know, L-DOPA combined, but the thing with any sort of like competing interests and ingredients, you see that with everything. You see that with vitamins and minerals and amino acids and everything. And it's not like an all, again, it's not like an all or nothing situation. So if they're going to inhibit each other a tiny bit, but you can override that by stacking that dose, it's cumulatively, it's going to feel better. I mean, it's going to work. Um, at least that was kind of, kind of the way that I always believed that it would work. And we, of course, put, you know, extensive amount of in-house testing. We had samples that we sent out to a ton of people. We're like, how does this feel? Do you feel like shit or do you feel good? <laughs> um, and from a safety standpoint, I mean, the safety data on tyrosine is really vast. That to me is not a concern. And because it's in a pre-workout, people hypothetically shouldn't be taking pre-workout seven days in a row. So even if it's like a, you know, like the, the Hooperzine A or, you know, L-DOPA, you probably shouldn't take those at full dose every single day, seven days in a row, every day of the year, but this is a pre-workout. Everybody goes to the gym three to five days a week for the most part. So, yeah, I've always been a, it's so funny, like with the, with the, the usage per month thing. Um, I've always thought it's funny that people like consider it being used seven days a week. Cause like, if you are tra training seven days a week, like you're probably not a very good athlete to start. Like, like, you, like five days a week is for, for most very, you know, beneficial situations. That's where you see the top end of that. Um, the, the I really wanted to do the tyrosine L dopa talk, so I'm glad you got into that. The other one that we've ironically had some discussions about, which I think is so overplayed, and I wish it would stop. But the citrulline malate discussion, which I thought was kind of interesting, you we talked it. about that the other day. Yeah, yeah, I want to so, make sure we talk about it on the podcast because, like, I, I want everyone to hear yeah. this. <laughs> okay, so L citrulline is the star. We all know. <laughs> I'm not stupid. We know this. I don't care if they're chemically bonded or not, because it doesn't matter. They're going to dissociate as soon as they hit stomach acid. Anyways, it doesn't matter. If I could put in eight grams of a two, one sit mal and get somewhere between five and six grams of citrulline, or I can put five or six grams of citrulline and the cost is nearly identical. That one's going to be better. Not just because, you know, and everybody's, you know, talking about, you know, the, the malic acid portion being a flavoring agent, and it certainly is and, and is often used, but there is evidence showing that it does have performance benefits. Now, is it as extensive as a creatine or a citrulline? Of course not. But if the cost is the same and it's already being put in there as a flavoring agent and it does confer some additional performance benefits, then to me, it's a no-brainer for a product like this. Now, something like Volugen, we have pure L-citrulline in there, and that one was to be more of a standout citrulline dominant product specifically for the, you know, the blood flow benefits. So it's like, there wasn't room for that in there. So, uh, you know, I, people go, well, that's, that's dumb. You should just use all citrulline. Well, at the end of the day, it's the same amount of citrulline coming in and you, you might get something that's better, 
and it doesn't cost any more for anybody. I thought yeah, that was such a funny. Sorry. Well, yeah, the other ingredients area of this label shows just citric acid. Um, normally, it would have said citric acid and malic acid anyway. So, yes. you know, it, uh, do you want to set it as an active ingredient or not? It makes the label look cooler. And I agree, it does. Um, it will provide some benefits and either way it's going to be in there anyway. And yeah, it's, it's, it is a quasi active ingredient, but yeah. well, I and, and, that if, as long as you say what you just said, I yeah. I'm fully on board with this because you're not claiming it to be as good as creatine or anything like no. that, but there is definitely a metabolic purpose to having malic acid around. I mean, well, and, and like you said, like there's citric acid down on the label. If we didn't put sit mal in there, I don't know if we would have put malic acid in there as a as a you know tartening agent it probably would have been fine with just a teeny bit more citric acid and actually when we were doing okay. the flavoring we actually went between two versions one with l-sit and one with sit mal and we were trying to flavor them just toggling the amount of citric acid involved and when we were able to nail it with the one i was like they're both equal but this one's never going to have the malic acid in it, and this one is this is the winner and i mean it was like a negligible price difference i mean we're talking like cents per per skew. And for me, since, since we're not a major distribution brand, I don't care about 10 cents a skew. I don't. So, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so just to like, while we're on that topic, cause I want to come back to Morphocom before the end of the podcast, cause that's definitely part of this whole rebrand. And we got to talk about the brand itself as well, but your, your distribution model, you've mentioned a few times, you guys do no wholesale at all. It's all direct to consumer, correct? Uh, yeah. So right now it is. So we, we've dabbled a little bit with some wholesale over the course of 10 years. The goal was to never do that. And then in the early days, there was some pull from some local, uh, you know, brick and mortar type places that, you know, hey, you know, everybody keeps asking about this stuff. And we're like, yeah, sweet. You know, this extra money. Except it's not because it's extra money when you have all the inventory you could ever want and you have the ability for that distribution channel to become vast and it doesn't take up all your time and energy and resources. And for us, it was like, low-hanging fruit that's robbing us from picking you know the better fruit at the top of the trade and we realized very quickly we're like this is hurting ultimately what we're trying to do we can't buy larger runs of product we can't buy the next skew we're not bringing enough money back quick enough um you know and because the cost of our goods is inherently higher to produce anyways because it's it just is we're making stuff with more stuff in it uh it was very difficult to sell it to a brick and mortar at any cost that anybody could ever make any money on. And they didn't have the, uh, you know, sort of the motivation to push those products to their consumers because their margin was lower. So yes, they had them, but they weren't moving it. And then we weren't making any money and it was just a shit situation. Um, we've done the same thing in the last two years. We've dabbled back and forth with some international distribution stuff. We had some big stuff in the works and kind of moving and then COVID shut everything down and then laws changed in some of these other countries. And it just became such a, a disaster, um, a logistical nightmare on top of us then deciding to go for a rebrand and focus on this, that it was like, that needs to go too. We just can't do it. That's awesome. So it, it, it keeps coming back to like the earnest being on you guys, you know, and, and yeah the the marketing margins and and especially like the margin that you have to cost for for wholesale that's a whole job in itself which if it's taking you away from all these other spots it's it's really costing you more money than it's making you so it, it seems like like morphogen will always work as a direct consumer model that just seems like where you guys are called to yeah well and it's super interesting because at the time that was you know 10 years ago almost nobody did that i mean every company had the option to purchase from their site but the prices were outrageously high as MSRP. And then every retailer had it for $20 less. Well, who's buying it from the parent company for $20 more just because it's on their site? Nobody. Right. Um, and, it, you know, again, the first probably five years that we existed, every major decision that we made, everybody that I know in the industry that owns other companies or owns stores or works somewhere, you know, in distribution, man, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me, right? I guess I'm doing it wrong. And, and but I always, again, the purity of it, but I also always believe that there had to have been a, a, a fraction of a percentage of this industry, of the consumers in this industry who wanted something different. And it's like, well, let's, let's give it to them. I don't need to reach everybody. I mean, this is a vastly growing multi-billion dollar industry that's not getting any smaller anytime soon. There's got, I always believe that there was room for people that were doing something special. And we took a gamble, but we also grew at a 
at a nice pace. We also like both didn't quit our jobs. My wife basically, you know, she was my sugar mama for seven years while I take, took zero money from the company and just funneled it back in every year in hopes of it actualizing this vision that I had the whole time. I, I think one of the biggest things that I've, I think I've noted this to you before is um, when I've run into people in public or through fitness or whatever that were Morphogen fans, they always noted the quality of the character of the people behind the brand, which uh, seemed, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I always want to ask Mike, like what his thoughts are. Like when, when we talk about brands with people, we very rarely hear that portion of the brand. Uh, and it, it's, I already knew you, so I knew this, but you know, it, it, it seems exemplary that like the, the character of the people, the thought process behind it, obviously, yes. Like, you know, I've heard Thermogen makes me sweat like crazy. Alphagen's awesome because it gives me focus. You hear all these things, but they always noted at the end of there that there were good people behind it, you know, that whether it's Deirdre or yourself or just the, the general feel of it, it, it seems like that's always part of it. And the decisions that you make with the brand, you're very transparent with about it. You, you like everyone knows almost like the business of Morphogen, which is, it's kind of cool. It's almost like a case study. Yeah, well, because I've never considered myself, I mean, up until recently to be like the owner of this thing. I've always considered myself first and foremost <clears throat> to be a consumer of goods in this industry. I still buy some stuff from several other brands because I'm curious, just like everybody else. I want to try that formula. I'm going to try that flavor. Uh, the label looks cool. Uh, I want to see what it looks like in person. I want to feel it. Like I'm still doing that. And so every decision that I've made it, in terms of the, you know, what gets delivered to the consumer has been based on if I'm buying from myself, what do I want? Well, if I live in the United States and I get hit with a $12 shipping charge during checkout, I'm super upset. Fuck it. We're taking that away. Gone. If I live in Ohio and I get hit with that plus another two to $3 in, you know, state sales tax, I get upset. I'm like, well, I wasn't counting on any of this gone. So we, we literally just like, fuck it. I don't, yeah, we're losing money. But to me, this feels wrong. And so I'm just not going to do it. And thankfully I, I made decisions that not just propelled the brand forward, but didn't completely fuck us from a business perspective where a lot of times they probably could have. I mean, there were a number of times that I made decisions purely with heart and not with any sort of like business logic and almost totally screwed us. I mean, in a, in a bad way. And I realized very quickly that there, as, as much as I'm a, you know, a, a boundary pusher and a progressive sort of mind, uh, there's only so far you can go before you don't exist in the construct of this industry anymore. I mean, it, you know, there has to be some boundaries. Otherwise, there is no framework for anything to exist. And so I've gotten a lot better at mitigating some of my own, uh, you know, propensity to continually do things in, in a certain way. And certainly having my wife and our staff and everybody to kind of, you know, bounce some of that around a little bit has helped tremendously. It is kind of funny how you say that, though, because everyone wants to be bigger than sports supplements because sports supplements is a boundary in itself, right? Like we're we we Mike and I often call ourselves like the redheaded stepchild of the pharmaceutical industry because we're governed by a lot of the same laws, but we we do a lot of stupid stuff too, you know. And and but so you want to be outside of that because you want to be introduced to more intelligent beings or people that don't think as in bodybuilding and stuff, but you have to be within that construct still in certain ways. Yeah, I mean. It there's only so much that I can go up in product cost to me. I can't make a product that costs $40 and still sell it for the same price that we're selling it for. I just can't do that. And I'm not going to make a product that sells for $200 as this like ultra rich person, premium product that costs a hundred dollars to make. I'm not going to do that uh, because yes, that, I mean, that could be done, but that is going to be, so far removed, even from the distance that I've set myself away from the traditional part of the industry that like you're, you can't, that's not a business anymore. It's a hobby. And yeah, that's cool. If you want to do that, uh, you know, ad hoc and play with it, but that'll never, that'll never pay your mortgage and that'll never take care of our staff. And that'll never able, you know, to fund the, the growth of, of the brand itself. So. Well, I, I, uh, I want to get back to Morphocom because that's the other product that's launching tomorrow, or this will be this will be the, say, the same day as the launch of the product. Uh, but Alphagen and Morphocom are both launching. Uh, Mike, do you have Morphocom up on your computer to, to share to the screen? I'm just pulling it up. It's kind of a, I, I, I'd love to know why you picked these so two. Yeah, notify when available, so it's not available yet, right? 
It actually says zero dollars and zero cents. Sign me yes, up. that's because I don't want anybody to know what the price is going to be until we ah, rebrand tomorrow. I see. <laughs> and, okay. and honestly, I wanted to make those two pages completely invisible until tomorrow, but we already had a ton of people signed up for uh, product drop updates. And so I couldn't just recreate them as like um, new product SKUs. And I couldn't take these off and limit anybody else from signing up for updates. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's just build the pages out and just take all the important information off for now. Makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so, Oh, nice. Okay. Right off the bat, large dose phosphatidylserine. This ain't going to be cheap. Um, at least from what I understand. <laughs> No. Okay. For yeah, 600 milligrams of 50% phosphatidylserine or PS. Uh, this is in a three capsule serving, 30 servings per container, 300 milligrams Korean red ginseng extract, 7% ginsenicides, 300 milligrams of L theanine. Awesome. I didn't realize this. 200 milligrams of rhodioprime 6X rhodiola, 120 milligrams, which is the clinical dose of Shodin ashwagandha. That's 35% with analytes. 50 milligrams of Kana, which is uh, standardized to 0.5% uh, alkaloids. And then, ooh, five milligrams of lithium coming from 130 milligrams of lithium orotate. Interesting. This is going to do exactly what it says it's going to do, but you got a little bit of that rhodiola in there too. This is, this is going to be a very interesting experience. Wow. Yes. Hmm. So, so part of what I wanted to do with the rebrand was not just this forward-facing uh, aesthetic change to the company. A lot of what I wanted to do was fix things to me that seemed like uh, imperfections in the line. And, you know, I'm, I'm the hardest critic of everything that we come out with. And over the last, you know, five years, I came out with a lot of products. I mean, a lot of products. And some of them I was like, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to come out with this product. So I'm going to put that ingredient in this product. And then when we came out with this product, I was like, in my mind, I'm going that one ingredient really should go over here. How, but how do I do that? And so this is my chance to kind of really maximize the specific application of each product where, um, you know, we used to have some estrogen management ingredients in this product. And at the time that I created this, it was really designed to be sort of a, used by competitors in the last four to eight weeks of prep to mitigate, you know, cortisol and estrogen related uh, water retention or body fat issues or mood issues or any of that kind of stuff. And it became so much more than that, that the value of having it be such a dedicated stress and anxiety product, and then moving the estrogen management stuff to a more specific estrogen management, women's health, women's libido sort of product had to happen, but it, we weren't going to do it until the rebrand was, you know, kind of the way to, to, take this overhaul of things. So we, in doing that, we were able to just hammer down this formula for calm in such a perfect way. And all the initial feedback that we've gotten from people has been unbelievable. And this is by far our best-selling product. And I think we just destroyed the old one. <laughs> I have to ask like, why Alphagen and Morphocom though? Cause it's, it's an interesting, I mean, obviously your pre-workout, it makes sense for your first launch, but Morphocom, is this a big seller for you? And that was the thought process. It is, yeah, if this is, your, this is our top seller by, if this is your by top seller, what are you thinking in terms of redoing the formula? Like, obviously that's a huge risk. Why, <laughs> how did this even begin? I, okay. I think you already taught, you already answered that actually. Forward progress. Elements, but right. Because that's, because that's me. I'm a forward progress guy. Now awesome. here's the thing. Some of our products in the rebrand are not going to change. Some of them I released in more recent history. And I feel really looking at them, especially with what they cost. I'm like, there's no way that we can feasibly change this and make it not just better, but like we can't afford to add anything else to this because I, I pushed, I pushed that one a little bit too much. Something like adaptogen. We're not going to change that. That already costs a lot and it's perfect. But some of these other ones, I'm like, I, I know that I can do this. I'm a, I'm a big, like, conceptual thinker. I, I always often describe my thought processes as like this big complex three-dimensional puzzle that's shifting around all the time. I'm not a bullet point guy. My wife, the accountant, she's lists and check boxes and order and structure it. I'm just not that person. And so when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at so many different factors, what we've done, what could be done, what I want to do, what stuff costs, what ingredients might go with other things. And to me, it's just like, and it's just, this one just felt like it was going in the right direction. There's no better way for me to describe that. And it just honestly, like an in intuitive, just it felt like it was right. That's just, awesome. Yeah. And and how is the cadence going to work for this? You have these two dropping on Friday, but we, I don't, I, you, we've talked privately and I don't post any of that, but like you, you, I don't think you publicly mentioned the, the follow through on that of what's coming as well. 
Sure haven't. Uh, okay. So uh, the entire world sucks right now. And <laughs> hey, far be it for me to make pill this podcast. Any, uh, We're staying white pill right now. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> glimmers of hope. <laughs> um, we have a ton of stuff in the works, a ton. Uh, we've already reformulated more than half of our line. Uh, most of that has already been put into the production schedule. Those production schedules are substantially longer than they used to be. And part of that for us is it's not a matter of just like buying product. We have to turn over old inventory from the current stuff. You know, I can't just leave you know, thousands of, of bottles of something sitting on the shelf and then buy the new one. And these are just a wash. I can't do that. Uh, and so for us, it's, it's a matter of how does everything get timed out? We also couldn't replace the entire line all in the same day. That's literally a, an impossibility with a rebrand unless you have tens of millions of reserve dollars for inventory, which I do not. So that was an impossibility. Um, the, the biggest reason that we did these first two was it was originally supposed to be just Alphagen. And it was originally supposed to be one flavor of Alphagen. And as we got further along the production schedule and the development process of things, I knew that we were going to run out of calm. And I knew that this would also be a big hit outside of a performance-based category. You know, not everybody wants a pre-workout, but, and not everybody wants a, you know, a health and wellness sort of product, but man, what if we just took these top two that we sell and we just launched them in full at the same time. And then after a couple of weeks, everything else will slowly start trickling in. And the whole, the whole rebrand is probably going to take six months to turn the whole line over. Um, you know, one at a time, two at a time, whatever, who the fuck knows. There could be 10 products show up next week or there could be one shows up in a month and one's the next month and one's the next month. I have absolutely no control over any of this, um, but we've been, we've been working. And so stuff that's, isn't worked yet. Yeah, for the consumers listening, that's basically how it is at the manufacturing thing. Like, I, all of a sudden line time might open up, be ready. So yeah, it's impossible to predict anything. And yeah. so what Ben's saying is like completely the truth. So it seems like you're a well-prepared person to just be ready because that line well, time uh, might open up. I mean, thankfully we have, we have a great team. Uh, you know, Deidre is fantastic. Um, the rest of our staff has really stepped up with their respective roles. They make it so that I, I can steer this ship forward, but I don't have to worry as much about so many of those logistical details, especially inventory management and cash flow uh, and customer service and all of this kind of stuff. So those those problems I'm, I've been involved with and I'm helping make executive decisions, but I'm not the one like doing all the work. So uh, hooray for me getting, getting out of that because I don't like doing that stuff anyways. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so, it's, so that's kind of the rationale between those two products. Like I said, originally I wanted it to be Alphagen by itself as one flavor. And then I was like, well, then we're going to have one flavor. And if somebody doesn't like it, they're going to be pissed. So let's just do the three that we did, give some people some variety. Uh, so that's what, just what we did. And so the, the, the one of Alphagen that I wanted to drop was the remix. It was the watermelon grape candy. And the reason I wanted to do that is because we celebrated our 10 year anniversary in the fall. And that was when we were really like getting to the point on the rebrand of like taking action, measurable action to create stuff that's going to be released right now. And that particular flavor came about because our first skew was watermelon candy alphagen and then six months later when we turned that over we bought more of that and then we bought what we call juicy grape and juicy grape was very much like a kool-aid grape or a bubblicious grape sort of vibe to it and both of those were really good and they were really good for a while and then you just got sick of drinking the same two things forever <laughs> and we barely had any and you know we eventually came out with some new products but it was just like okay i if i'm getting sick of this then everybody's getting sick of this and so we got rid of them, but I always missed them. And I remember back when we had both, I would every now and then would do like a, a half scoop of each. And it, to me, it had this, this very similar vibe to what my brother and I did growing up was take a, a piece of Bubblicious and a piece of Bubblicious, you know, watermelon and grape and throw them yes. both in our mouth. We did that all the time. And so I did that with the Alphagen and I was like, man, when we come out with a new one, we should mix these together as like a remix of the old stuff. And I was like, man, we should call it remix that's what we're going to do. And then that idea just kind of took off and, you know, propagated the, the rest of the brand. Love it. That's really cool. I love that reasoning behind that. I have to remember that. Um, so 
all things together, uh, I think that one of the big questions I have is like, you're, you're the brand without marketing, but you've come out with <laughs> quite compelling, interesting, different labels. Um, yeah, I, Mike hasn't gotten to really see them in person yet, but um, they have raised edges. They have some foil. They've got different stuff going on with them, which is, I don't want to say anti-morphogen, but like traditionally you would have never done that stuff. And, and that's obviously invested so, money into that, right? Yeah. So, uh, so the thing with me is, it, and the marketing thing is, when I've always looked at marketing, I've looked at it as a way to deceive a consumer it, in the past. I don't have the same mm -hmm. exact mindset now, but that's how I kind of always looked at it. And so for me, anything that felt like it wasn't genuine to who I am, and if it felt like I was trying to trick somebody, then it felt wrong. Um, these labels to me don't feel like either one of those. They feel very much like who I think that we are now and aren't adequately represented by our current labels and who I absolutely plan on being and, and think that we will be in the next three to five years. So it was a chance to really kind of change all that. And yes, it helps with marketing, but the other side of me, so everybody thinks about this, this science background that I have and all this, you know, formulas and dosing and research and all this, but I grew up uh, basically like an art savant. Um, and I wasn't a science guy until college. And so everybody expected me to go off and be some artist or an architect or a graphic designer or something. And, you know, those started to shift into much more computer work. And I just didn't want to do any of that. And so for me, this company and everything that we do, everything that we do is this perfect combination between my artistic mind and my science mind. And so the aesthetics of what the product looks like and represents to me is as important as the rest. Um, at least now it is. But the biggest thing is in the past was I never wanted those aesthetics to feel like they were conveying a, a false message compared to what you were getting in the product. And I think there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of brands that still do that, that their labels are awesome and their websites are awesome and their clothing is awesome and their formulas are garbage. And that bothers me. And bo that bothers me. And I just never wanted to be that. I, you know, especially in the past when our labels have gotten better progressively over time, it was never like a huge focal point because we didn't have any money to do anything cool. And the focal point was like, how do I, how do I make product? I'm, I, I'm new to this game. How do I, do this now that i know what i'm doing now it's like all right now how can we fully represent who we are on the front end yeah i love that i think it's kind of become an unfortunate stereotype is that if the labels are cool the product probably isn't that great but i understand where the thought process came from you know yeah um but and, I think so much of our current look still echoes back to where we were you know i mentioned earlier that formulas still have sort of the backbone of the previous version and i wanted that to still be recognizable in our labels where we still have most of the, the white that we have now. The product word in the front is the same font, stylized the same way. It's very recognizable. We've used that over the last several iterations of the label over the last like eight years. But I knew that the rest of it could be changed and it would still look like us. It would still feel like us. Yeah, I think that's a big thing because the, the, the feel of the product, it's still the same, but it's, it's like premium. And that's, you know, people always said, man, your products are premium and your labels are, your products are like an A plus and your labels are like a B plus and your website's like a C plus and your renders are like a C minus. And, you know, it's like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're figuring this out. And now that I think we figured a lot of this out, now it's a chance for every single aspect of this to represent the brand by itself. And then collectively there's no like, you know, chinks in, in that armor, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought a big one was the flavor too. I feel like your flavors have really improved at yeah. least on the alphagen side, it's all, all I've had so far. But um, if I guess previously, I was always mixing alphagen with volugen, and volugen can be a little gritty. So I don't know if I always had the best, ex uh, you know, experience. Yeah, with that. and and we knew that uh, we were well aware. That for the most part, it wasn't an issue. But the new the new volugen is probably going to be another. I mean, probably realistically another ten to twelve weeks, if I had to guess. The new volugen formula is unbelievably good, but the flavors. I think are actually better than the alphagen flavors. Well, something to look forward uh, to. We're just saying a lot compared to what the volugen ones used to be. So we are going to release the same identical three flavors. That way they're not just like complementary flavors, but they are identical flavors. They're obviously going to taste a little different because of the, you know, the inherent differences in the raw materials, but the volugen flavors I think are even better. And when they're mixed together, it's, I mean, exponentially better than anything we've ever done. You almost slipped up and gave us an ingredient on the volugen. I saw that. 
<laughs> yeah, you were like because of the and because almost gave us an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, I feel like we've we've caught up really well with Marvel. Yeah. I mean, what what like what what else is there to like? What should we be looking forward to? Is is I feel like there's going to be more campaigns alongside a lot of your launches and stuff. Yeah. And like so so part of what we we have planned for this year is obviously most of the focus is on the logistics of this rebrand. We still have a lot of products to release. We still have a lot of labels to create and to purchase. We still have supply chain issues to manage. We still have inventory that we're, you know, still kind of figuring out exactly how to maximize that. Um, the next piece that we're doing is we're going to be taking a deep dive into actual business practices and reducing the number of SKUs, getting rid of, you know, shaking off the dead bark, getting rid of the stuff that doesn't sell well, that is sunk cost, that is limiting our growth as a company. Um, some of this is going to be actually marketing. And maybe not like, you know, cool movies on Instagram, on, uh, you know, on an Instagram ad, but eventually, you know, we're going to have to do something with retargeting or SEO or Google analytics or Facebook pixel or any of these things that we have literally never done. Um, and e or email or SMS. I mean, outside of your confirmation email, we've never sent an email in 10 years, not a single email to our customers that's an untapped resource of that seems, Oh my God, why didn't you do this? Well, to be honest with you, part of it was apathy and part of it was necessity. Part of it was, I really didn't care. And the other part was we kind of didn't need to, we were scaling at a very nice pace. If we had scaled any faster, we probably would have been screwed along the way in, in many instances. And, uh, but now it's time that we can actually start to do some of that stuff that is, you know, marketing, but it's not gimmicky trickster marketing. It's, it's a, it, it's brand awareness. Uh, one of my best friends, who's a very successful entrepreneur in the fitness space, he and I have gone back and forth on this over the last couple of years. And he, he sat me down a little bit ago and he goes, do you really believe that what you're doing is the right thing? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. He goes, do you really believe that your stuff is the best or is one of the best? I said, absolutely. And he goes, and do you genuinely believe that you are meant to get this into people's hands, to change, to change their results, to change their life, to change their perception of what they can receive from this industry. I said, absolutely. He goes, then you owe it to yourself to get out of your own fucking way and market to the people that don't know who you are and don't know what your brand is about. And I was like, man, I don't, I can't, I can't argue against that. You're right. What do I do? So yeah, Ben, we are insanely similar like that. I think uh, guys like us, um, I don't like being, I don't like being on email lists. I don't like receiving text messages. I don't like notifications, but that doesn't mean that a lot of your demographic don't, they want to hear from you. They love yeah. you. They love your products and they would love to get an email from you, even if they're getting a dozen other emails. And, and that's what you have to realize. Like some people, when they monitor a brand with price pile and there hasn't been an alert for a little while and they get that alert, they reply to me personally, like, Mike, what's up? You know? And uh, so we have a couple of people who they love those notifications. So just because you and I don't like that, I know, I know. we are the <laughs> exception, you know, we're not the rule. So I mean, just, I mean, yeah, you know that yeah. social media posts are like, I'm still not great at regularly posting on social media. We don't, we've talked to some, you know, some businessy people here and there and they're like, so what's your, what's your social media strategy? I'm like, when I feel like posting something, I'm like, oh, we should probably post something. <laughs> uh, let's post this. And they're like, well, like what's the traffic like and what time of day I go, I, I have no idea. They go, how much conversion are you getting from one post to the next? I, said, I have no idea. I've never looked at that. They're like, what do you mean you haven't looked at that? I'm like, I haven't looked at it. Should I, should I be looking at that? Like, yes. I said, okay, well, when we need to, we will. So that's another thing we're going to be looking into this year. I will not be doing it. Right. I was just going to say, it's <laughs> definitely not going to be doing it. That, that yeah. doesn't work with the 3D puzzle, big picture, conceptualized mind. Nope, sure doesn't. Obviously, there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's people to be reached and to be optimized to. And you should feel no shame over that because your products aren't shit. So yeah. Well, and I, especially now that that, you know, stuff on the website renders, you know, some basic stuff, like we're leveling up across the board. And so now, you know, some of it is not just apathy towards doing it. Looking back at everything that we've done, there's certainly some shame wrapped up in me not ever feeling like certain elements of what we were doing was good enough to market, to promote. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a little profound too. Like putting yourself out there, it's gonna be a little harsh. I mean, I'm, I'm well aware that our, our renders have gotten better over the years, but our renders were garbage like three years ago. Garbage. I'm well aware of that. 
Well, yes, it limited us. And yes, it misrepresented who we are. I'm not proud of that fact. The last thing I'm going to do is pay money for that render to end up in front of everybody's fucking face. Like, I hate it. I don't want anybody else to see it. So I remember uh, I felt so much. I remember a year ago when we, we when we had that whole conversation, I remember you specifically saying um, that you don't do the the uh, the leftover cart emails. Like, you know, if you if you add something to your cart and you go away, most most websites will email like, hey, you forgot about this. Make sure you check out. And I remember you being like, I don't want that fucking email in my email. <laughs> and I feel here, exactly man. the same way. I totally yeah. hate that. I it works no, so people like it. Then we, we have put kind of the basic like 10 hour reminder that if something is there and you haven't bought it and it's still there in 10 hours, I'm I, I'm pretty sure they get a message from somebody. I haven't, I haven't checked this in a very long time, but especially if somebody does that and then they change their mind and they remove it and then they leave, like, okay, like, you're a, you're a maximizer. Like you, it goes right into the formulas and everything, but you're not an over optimizer. So you obviously need the person and you have the people on your team that can help with the optimization because you've taken the formulas to this maximal level where you're not going to, unless you make them like out of the price reach of, of your favorite consumers, you're not going to change these formulas too much more right now. So yeah, nope. now it's time to, to do the optimization. Yeah. And as long as people have an easy opt out, as long as they control F and hit, you know, whatever, find the unsubscribe or, um, you know, make it easy, then I think, yeah, absolutely no shame. You're ready. Yeah. yeah. And, cool. and you know, we've scaled so much over the last few years by way of increasing the amount of stuff that people can buy, you know, the number of SKUs and our average order value has gone up a little bit every year on a pretty consistent basis, but that's only going to go up so much. You know, our customers are not going to buy, go from buying three things a month to buying 10 things a month, just because we have 200 SKUs instead of 70 SKUs, they're not going to do it. And so it gets to a point that how much of that expansion is a waste and how much of, is it to fulfill my own curiosity and my own ego versus actually fulfilling the potential of the brand, which ultimately is the reason that we started it to begin with. So <laughs> I love that. I, I think um, you have definitely your own uh, like hero story and you're, you're definitely trying to innovate and all, but there's definitely a lot of just stereotypical optimizations that could be very beneficial to Morphogen uh, as much as you might hate the way that they would make you feel. Most yes. people would would like them. Yes. Yes. It's, so uh, I'll say this because this isn't going to be live until after this has already happened. So our rebrand drop is happening tomorrow. I'm not sure exactly what time in the day we're going to drop like the official, like, you know, a video on Instagram or something, something big, but we're going to make those two products live on the site at nine o'clock in the morning and not tell anybody. And that is going to go out to everybody that signed up for SMS alerts. Cool. And with nice. a message, Hey, Doing thanks it. for signing up. You get early access to this order. Um, and I feel good about that. Any so, perks for them? Are they going to get like a shaker or anything along those lines? They get to be the first ones that buy it. Yeah, they get to comment on this YouTube video and be like, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that's what I'll do. Uh, I mean, we have a fuck ton of shakers back there. Maybe I'll have my crew throw a shaker in all the orders from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. whenever I decide to drop the Instagram video. Maybe that's what we'll do. I like awesome. I love that. I uh, that's really cool. Awesome. Well, I think that's that's a perfect way to to close this out it's been an awesome hour is there anything else you want to note or you want to talk about that's happened with morphogen or what to what to see coming uh nope i mean you know i i'm excited to share what we've been working on i'm excited to share my vision i think people are gonna go fucking nuts about so many other formulas that we're working on i i can't fucking wait <laughs> well we're excited to see it uh ben i really appreciate you coming on uh it's, it's been an awesome one I, we got to do this more often for sure instead of every two years uh but we're really excited to see what you guys have coming yeah hell yeah thanks so awesome. much for the opportunity Good i was luck with the launch Aaron, so yeah yeah appreciate so uh, places to find uh at morphogen underscore nutrition right yep morphogen underscore nutrition on instagram uh my new instagram is morphogen underscore ben my old one was morphogen ben but i got locked out working on getting it back uh, websites mntakeover.com or morphogenutrition.com. Awesome. Just, yeah, there you go. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much.